amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Welcome to another episode of What Else with Corey Mann. My guest this week, Apollo LTD, Jordan and Adam from Nashville, Tennessee. As we are recording this podcast, their song Gold is starting to make an impression in Christian radio. They've been at this a long time, and they have one amazing story to tell as well. Dave Grohl bought us fried chicken in Austin, Texas. Stick around to hear that and more. Apollo LTD on What Else? I was lost in the light. I was blind, but now I can see you. I was caught in a web of a lie that I was defeated. Well, it's hard for a heart to be stunned, but I need to reset it. Not a way to erase what I've done. Studio DNA Podcast Network presents What Else with Corey Mann. No idea how to download a podcast or listen on your smartphone? Check out studiodna.media. That's studiodna.media. What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. My name is Corey, and with me today, two brand new artists I'm excited to talk about, get to know a little bit better, because I'll say it to your face right now, I enjoy gold. Thank you. It's my ringtone. Is it? No. 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 People don't have ringtones anymore. Yeah, that's not We gave up on that in 2005. Okay. Jordan. That's me. Yes. Adam. Yes, sir. I was paying attention at lunchtime today. You were. Here's what I'm excited to hear about. Should we start at College Roommates? Should we start there and kind of sure. work our way around? Sure. I mean, it was the beginning, so I guess we can go back to that. It was the origin. <laughs> or if I heard, let's let's go back further. Atlanta, okay. home base. Yep. Born and raised in Atlanta. In Atlanta? Ah, uh, 
No. Here's it's like Chicago. People say they're from Chicago. They're not from Chicago. Yeah. They're from the suburbs. I, I grew up in Marietta. Marietta, Georgia. Yeah. We never is, meet anybody that's from the state of Georgia that doesn't say they're from Atlanta. It's true. And then you got to say, okay, well, what part of what part of Yeah. Like, what do you, what I grew you? up in the suburbs in in an area called Marietta. Lots of Zaxby's, Kentucky Fried Chickens, and, uh, yeah, Winn-Dixie's. Marietta, though, if you're in church world, too, I think of Andy Stanley. Yeah, North Point. Right? Yep. Is that in that kind of neck of the woods? Yeah, Alpharetta, Roswell, Marietta. It's okay. all kind of the same. What kind of kid were you? Sports kid? Uh, club kid? I, choir I, kid? I, I grew up, uh, actually, I was kind of a sports kid. A uh, little bit on the on the chunky side. <coughs> Wait, um, <laughs> Shopped in the Husky <laughs> section a little bit. No, I grew up a sports kid. Um, no music in our family. Pops was in full-time ministry my whole life. Uh, he had a, a, a nonprofit uh, women's crisis pregnancy resource center in downtown Atlanta. Um, but yeah, one day when I was like 11 or 12, decided I wanted to play guitar because I saw a buddy of mine playing uh, Purple Haze by Jimi Hendrix. Wow. I was like, that's awesome. And uh, got me a guitar. What kind? Uh, it was a cheap Daymark catalog acoustic guitar. Everyone remembers their first guitar. I do. I remember my first. And by that night, by Christmas night, I broke it because I played it. It went out of tune, and I was busy trying to tune it. And then I played it. It went out of tune again, and I tried to, like, I don't know what happened, but I broke the tuning peg. Hard. I know. I was, I was rocking. Well, the, the strings were probably, like, cheap nylon, like yeah. my first guitar. Yeah. Like, but they the, weren't real strings. The whole thing snapped. Oh, the wow. The whole neck snapped. So my parents at that point, they were so like— So too much rock. Too much, too much rocking, clearly. So my parents were like, well, he's had it for seven hours, hasn't put it down. He's already broke the guitar. Maybe we should go buy him an actual one. So I got an acoustic and everything. That was it. And what sport did you say you were in? I played baseball. I kind of— Position? Uh, I was a middle infielder. So I played shortstop and second base. Okay. And in high school, played a little third. But— He's and actually it, not bad. We played in a uh, adults like softball league yeah. a couple years ago, and he he can actually is move. he the ringer? He can scoot. Yeah, like get, he was diving all over the place. Bit. Let's just say uh, Cal Ripken was my uh, <clears throat> my idol. Okay, I was a little kid. surprised. Why were you so surprised? <laughs> well, there's <laughs> some <laughs> things you don't cover in college roommate living. You play ball? I play ball. Oh, I can play. Did no. you not see the Sammy Sosa poster when you moved in? Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds, yeah. ring a bell. Do you have a team of choice growing up? Being a Absolutely. I was I was in Atlanta in the 90s. I was a Braves fan. Braves. Through yeah. and through. Okay. Until uh, it all began to fall apart. And then after that, it, it's been a sad 15 years to be... And you mean the team, years. not your life? No, just the team. Okay, mainly, good. Thank mainly you. just yeah. Atlanta <laughs> just sports teams in general. <laughs> <laughs> and my oh. life began to crumble at age twelve. <laughs> I'm telling you. Once Fred McGriff, once Mad Dog McGriff, once Mad retired, Dog was toast. <laughs> I just didn't have a reason to keep going. So pause button on you, young man. Uh, Nashville, Nashville, born and raised, born and raised. Yep, father. Now, the parents uh, were there, obviously, and did they come to Nashville or were they from there as well? No, they they moved to Nashville from Milwaukee. So my dad was a musician, uh, moved down to Nashville in a country band, signed a record deal. Did the name that of the whole band? Thing. The name of the band was Jubal. One of the worst <laughs> in the history of I know that. J-U-B-A-L. The way you guys are laughing, that's new to you, right? That's new that to is me. Welcome See? to this podcast. <laughs> Come yes, on. Corey, we are learning. It. Jubal. We're diving in. This We're is uncovering like, a whole bunch like of counseling stuff. in here. So he, uh, he did that. He was, yeah, he was a bass player. Um, 
funny thing was his band, once they got here, went on their first tour and they broke up on the road on their first tour. Mm. Classic. Classic. Welcome to the Classic yeah. story right there. Um, so then uh, he just went on to be a bass player around town, played with some old country cats. He did some stuff with like uh, with Willie and, and Hank. Kind of dabbled in that crew for a little bit. and then Were you around during that? I was not. Okay. By the time I came around, I was the third. I have two older brothers. So by the time I came around, he uh, he wanted to focus on being a dad. Okay. Because, you know, being on the road and being gone that often doesn't It doesn't was a hard facilitate. living back in the days. Yeah, yeah. So when you segue from wanting to be a dad and being in that lifestyle, did he just take another job completely? He did. He um, he got into the insurance business. Wow. So, yeah. Hard left turn. Yeah, hard. He went from the creative to, yeah, the complete opposite. Does he ever throw you a bone in this day and age? Go, you know, when I was with Willie... <laughs> Back on the Highwayman tour. <laughs> exactly. Does he ever give you any of those? He actually, he actually doesn't. Like, and you've known this. I mean, Jordan, he you've been around for a long time. He really doesn't talk about it very often. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, I think in part, it's there's <laughs> there's some things about the country music industry. I was going to say, in you that time, remember it. That <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, honestly, yeah. maybe. There, yeah, yeah uh, probably some of that. <laughs> so yeah, you come I, around. You would you're never the, know it though. I'm sorry. You come around. You're the third boy. Third boy. Uh, are you? Uh, what What are the ages of the boys? Uh, so I have a, an older brother who's five years older and then one who's just 14 months, so just a year older. All right. So he and I, we, BFFs? we, we ran together yeah. when we were young. Yeah. We, we got in trouble in pairs. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. He was the instigator, though. I will stand by that. So growing yeah. up in Nashville, what mm-hmm. kind of school did you go to? Um, we actually went to – we were private school kids. Okay. So uh, parents put us through private school. The, the public school that we were zoned for was not great. So, uh, yeah, they kind of don't name names because Nashville people listen to this. Exactly. We don't want to call anybody out (laughs) or do we? Maybe we do. No. Um, there's a great new podcast I heard about where a guy gets four or five people together and there are different people every week. They pick a record and then they listen to it and they just talk about what it meant to them, where it kind of fits in their timeline of life because you're both musicians, producers, and now artists. I would love to know. When the bug hit you, what, was it Jimi uh, Hendrix, or was it something else down the road that question. you're like, I'm, I want to dive in the, and you're next. All right, I'm in. Great question. Funny you threw Jimi Hendrix out there though. That was okay. Really intuitive. <clears throat> I'm going back. I got to go back. Okay. Early, early, like first record. I remember buying, and it was because I thought it was okay. One thing I remember hearing "Smells Like Teen Spirit" for the first time by 1991. Yeah, that was Nirvana. Um, I was in the car with my sister. So I had an old, I have an older sister. She was 10 years older than me. So she was way cooler than I was growing up as a kid. And she yeah. could buy whatever CDs she wanted. And um, I, I, I grew up on rock music. So the bug that I got bit by was definitely like Nirvana and Weezer. Um, Although there was a Wallflowers album in there for me. Bringing down the horse. Bringing down the horse. There's nothing wrong with one headlight. No, yeah, absolutely was not. that album. Um, T-Bone Burnett is one of the greatest producers. I have a funny story about T-Bone Burnett, though. Anyway, I'll tell it. We'll tell that later. Okay. But um, the uh, I would say uh, I was a big Dave Matthews Band fan. I was. I was a kid. I'm 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 a he wears something no more. Yeah. Uh, so it was probably a mixture of all that. I don't know if that answers your question, but I remember riding my bike to a media play and I bought, I took some birthday money and I bought, 
the Weezer uh, Blue album. Yes. Um, and I uh, I hid that under my mattress for about six months because you were not allowed to listen to rock music. It was music? kind of yeah, it was maybe a little bit of that, but I was I was breaking some rules. And actually, I probably could have got it because that that album was pretty clean. It wasn't any yeah, but I I didn't want to uh, I didn't want to risk like, it because I they didn't like some of those early nineties records. It though. was pretty scandalous for me. Yeah. That was like that was a pretty scandalous thing that I did. But it was in hindsight not that bad. That Nirvana smells like Team Spirit is such a game changer in the whole spectrum of music. Yes, whether you're much older than both of you two, and hearing that, and begging the top forty program director that I work for, yeah, you got to play this song. Well, it doesn't quite fit who we are. It doesn't matter. It's going to change. It's going to change everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that. That is a when the levy breaks type of moment in music. Yeah. You know, which, yep. which I don't know if we've done that again yet. I no. have to put some thought into. I that. was just about to say. I, I I don't think that. I think it's been a long time since there's been something quite like. Yeah. It smells like Teen Spirit or Thriller or you know Zeppelin. I'm sure there was you know. Uh, it's I, like there were such paradigm shifts in popular music right. that I, I don't think has happened in a long time. It's getting close with this whole DJ boom that happened in the last decade. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like guys like Diplo and Skrillex, like they kind of have ushered in this era of the DJ being pop, popular music. You know, DJ yeah. Snake, all these different cats. But but it's not the same. I don't no, know why. No. It, it's just not. I, there's some, I don't know. If you have to hide yourself under a helmet... That's problem number one. <laughs> I just came yeah. up with that. I feel pretty good about that. I'm yeah. have to tweet that. Later. So you're not a Daft Punk. And there's fan, something about it. just guys playing <laughs> instruments together, creating yeah. something that's larger than yeah. the, the the sum of its well, parts. And there was, you know, there like, was a narrative to, to Nirvana that I th- I think it, it was it was such the counter movement to the '80s hair, big money, excess thing of pop culture of the 80s right you know because that's when all the money from the record business started just like the money trunk truck just backed up and dumped it in all those bands in la and then nirvana comes out from seattle and they're like they don't want any part of that stuff and the music is just transcendent and it's angry and it's angsty and there's you know tens of millions of people young people that it's resonating with i mean it was just like this total I mean, it was incredible yeah and before i mean hip-hop kind of had that boom too oh of course the, the East Coast, West Coast hip hop thing kind of did it in the eighties. Well, I remember too. when I heard, and we can move on in a second. I I remember the first time I heard that song, in particular Teen Spirit. Um, it was scary. I remember the feeling of being like, "This is what is yes. this?" Like because what it was a is weird this? chord. Yeah, it wasn't like C F D A. It was no. like F minor and blah, 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 yeah. and it was out of tune. And his and, voice. And was what's he singing? Yeah, I had no idea. Didn't yeah. matter. Yeah, that's it, true. It, that it was what was matter. weird. It didn't matter, you know? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, I've yeah. got stories about that. Uh, so Weezer, uh, I'll come back to that in a yeah. second. Yeah. You, when when did the music bug bite? <laughs> you. Um, so growing up in a musical home. Uh, with, By the way, this is Adam speaking Yeah, this right is now. Adam. It is I. So growing up in a musical home with a dad who was a professional player and, and you know even when he got off the road he still gigged around town a lot so when i was a kid i would go like watch him play at some fairs and like any sort of all family all ages family mm-hmm. events type stuff i grew up going to see him still play music both of my older brothers played music so the music bug kind of i mean i didn't almost have a choice <laughs> you know yeah. just like growing up when Part you're that DNA. yeah when you're that deep in it growing up it's just kind of like 
and especially being the youngest brother, you're always trying to do what your older brothers do better <laughs> and faster, you know? Mm-hmm. And so when they started taking piano lessons, I was like, oh, I want to take piano lessons. And What's your last name? Stark. Did you guys ever think about like a Hanson with the two other brothers? <laughs> Stark? Uh, no. No? <laughs> no. Right. Oldest brother wanted nothing to do with it. He okay. actually kind of dropped off. Oldest brother was the, the, was the punk rocker. Of the he band. was. He was not having that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so... Piano was sort of my uh, instrument, my gateway instrument into music, which naturally made me gravitate towards the Billy Joels, the Elton Johns. Okay. Um, so when I got out of – I started taking lessons when I was – I think I was four or five years old, pretty young. And I did lessons for like seven years. And I was the kid that loved to practice. Like okay. I got genuine satisfaction out of like checking off every day, that, mm-hmm. you know, showing my piano teacher like I practiced. <laughs> Loved it. And it was like this conquering thing. Like, give me a new piece of music. I'm going to conquer this, you know? Um, And then after about... Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Seven years of that, I realized this isn't the music that I love. Like, I'm playing all these classical songs and these Bach and Beethovens and, you know, all these different things. And I'm like, it's fun and it's fine, but I want to make the sound I'm hearing on the radio. Like, I want to play this kind of music. So that's when I first heard New York State of Mind. And, you know, and I was like, okay, I was probably like 11 or 12 years old. And I was like, I need to, I need to figure that out. And I sat with my, my Walkman disc player with a pair of headphones and I would just, I would press play, pause, and I would just go pitch, Mm -hmm. like just start ear training, just like pitch matching. What am I hearing? Okay. And I did that for weeks until I figured out how to play New York State of Mind. And then from there, um, the sky was the limit. You know, and from, for those who don't know, if I'm not mistaken, New York State of Mind has a minute 42 intro. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, a lot of twinkly before it even gets to Yeah, dude, it's so great. It's Keep so great. going with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, could, I could just yeah. interpret like, the whole intro. <laughs> my son uh, is 11, and we are trying to encourage him to just try anything. Mm-hmm. We've done a little bit of sports. We've done a little bit of theater. And all of a sudden, we take him to the Queen movie, and Bohemian Rhapsody has done something to him internally where last night, 90 minutes, watching a YouTube video of how to play it. There you there's, go. And there's 17 steps in the first part. Yeah. And hearing him chase after it exactly like you did with mm-hmm. that Billy Joel. And so this morning on the morning show, we're talking about, like, how do you encourage that or pour fuel on that or whatever? And I think you even just answered it. For seven years, you played stuff you were told to play, right. as opposed to looking at a student and go, what do you want to learn? Absolutely. And I would have gone, oh, Bruce Hornsby, that's just the way it is. Absolutely. I would, yeah. I would be so cool if I could right. do that cool intro. Or my son would be like, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Yep. Or New York State of Mind. And go, you would be, and, it's, and it becomes like, you Jump can't. by Van Halen. <laughs> exactly. Oh, now, yeah. It's like, man, you just, and then you can't stop. Like, yeah. like, just like your son, it's just hours of just getting lost trying to figure that out until it's completed. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's amazing. And I, yeah, that was. And when you catch on to that and you have that moment of, I'm figuring it out, you want more. 
It, it totally you want it's more addicting. And, it's really addicting. And then you start getting smart and going, wait a minute, that's the same note I hear mm-hmm. in this other song. You sound like you've done this before. You know? Oh yeah, it's <laughs> it's uh, it's sickening. But just going through it again with an eleven year old of like, oh, this is just hearing you. It's yeah. like I'm I'm hearing my son's story. Well, getting to relive it through your kid too is pretty cool. Yes, you know. You're like, yes, keep going. Yes. yes. Yeah. Enjoy Queen. Yeah. yeah. You can enjoy Good choice. Queen. <laughs> Good choice. Yeah. You know, that's so awesome. So first uh, music you bought right, for your first, own personal taste. Own personal taste. First music I bought was out of, uh, what, were the, what was the music, the, the magazines? Was it CD Warehouse magazine? There was like the, uh, the, oh, the Columbia, Columbia, Columbia. Yeah, 12 yeah, yeah, cassettes yeah. for a penny. Yeah. Well, and it was a, it was a, it was a CD that I bought first. And it was Soul Asylum because I love that Runaway song. Train. Runaway Train. Yeah. Or Somebody to Shove was on that record as well. You remember that song? Probably if I heard it. but <laughs> Oh, go do your homework. Somebody to Shove. Well, I bought the whole record, so I'm sure I had it. Yeah. <laughs> Runaway Train, never I going back. I wore that song oh, out. Oh, yeah. It's a good song, yeah. man. Um, trying to think of some. We had Queen albums laying around the house. I didn't realize how Tom Petty that song is. Like, if you think about Runaway which, Train. Which is why like I love Petty Tom Petty. Tom Petty, man. Yeah. Oh man. So a lot of my musical like growing up my musical catalog was basically just hand me downs from my oldest brother. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he's five years older than me. Like I wanted to be do everything he did and which meant I wanted to listen to the music he was listening to. So when I was a kid and you like like you were getting into Weezer and Third Eye Blind and all that stuff, I was just getting into Stevie Ray Vaughan, Jimi Hendrix, Led Zeppelin, like like classic rock, mm-hmm. which is what then <laughs> made me want to be a guitar player and not a piano player. So my parents were not happy because they invested a lot of money into me playing piano. Mm-hmm. Oh. And I was like, hey, I want to play guitar. <laughs> my dad had some guitars laying around the house. and I, Isn't it amazing yeah. that in their minds, you can't play both? Well, One or the other. Pops got it. My dad understood. He mm-hmm. was like, he was like, no, let him, let him explore. This is good for him. My mom was just like, I just miss hearing you play the piano all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I'm like, yeah, but mom, listen, it's back in black. Mom really <laughs> likes, mom really likes yeah. Beethoven. Exactly. Yeah. So first song you learned on the guitar when you finally got that chance? Uh, very first that one you wanted well, to learn. Okay, Smoke on the Water was first. Yeah. Come on, for obvious reasons. Um, the first one that I picked apart, note for note, sort of uh, New York State of Mind Part Two. Uh, round two, I should say, was Stairway to Heaven. Ooh, my, wow. Yeah, right? Lofty goal, I dude. went for yeah. it. So my dad had a 65 Firebird, Gibson Firebird, that just lived under the bed. And it was it awesome. Never came out. It just it was a collector, you know, collector's item. And he, he let me play it. He had like a Fender Twin Reverb at the house. And like I plugged that thing up and I was like, oh my gosh, this has that sort of classic rock thing. Like you just exudes it. And um, he taught me, he got me started on how to play that. You know, the first like three chords, you barely have to move your fingers. like, and then I was addicted. I was like, I I have to learn the whole thing. And it just weeks of me and these little arpeggios just for weeks sure it drove my whole fa- my whole family nuts but did they make sure they kept you away from the zeppelin record when he brought out the bow <laughs> yeah exactly They're like see that kid bad yeah, idea yeah. we're not teaching you that <laughs> exactly. yeah. did you say there's some sort of Jimi hendrix something in that, in that yeah story there? so the whole blues the classic rock blues rock thing was all kind of it all happened for me at the same time and hendrix and stevie ray vaughn were the two that like I think those were the two that p- 
put me over the edge of wanting to play the guitar. Mm -hmm. When I watched those guys, or just listened to those guys make those sounds, I was like, I, I want to learn how to do that, you know? Because it was just so other, like, especially Hendrix was like otherworldly guitar tone. Like, it, you're like, I've never heard these sounds come out of the guitar. So, you guys want a Jimi Hendrix fun fact? Yeah. Yeah. Did you know that he studied for eight months to be an army paratrooper? graduated and got a screaming eagle patch and had such a good relationship with his higher ups they said you're not made for the army you're you're made for something else but wow. because you finished this eighth month of being a paratrooper we're gonna give you an honorable discharge no and then way. he went on to play guitar yeah but jimmy he, hendrix he the paratrooper hendrix started out in nashville yeah Oh, yeah. He played, I forget who it was, but he played for uh, a huge country artist for a while. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah he yeah. did like, like a bandstand thing, too. Mm -hmm. He's, mm -hmm. He was a session dude. He, he could He's play. He was James Hendricks yeah, then. Was James. Yeah. James. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, when does the bug bite for you, Jordan, when you enjoy the craft of either sound production or the writing of the song or performing of the song is there a moment in there is it on the weezer cassette or is it <clears throat> no you know even further never, down the road i never connected the dots uh, i started playing guitar a little bit but it was pretty much just in my bedroom at night <clears throat> and then uh, i joined a couple little bands as a guitar player in high school name of the first band was guy smiley show actually believe it or not <laughs> the first i there's a there's a dude uh Seth Condry, who's on Centricity, who's a, a North Point artist. Come on, man. That's a pretty good name. I, I, you love, were like, yeah. I love first band names. So, uh, Jubal? Jubal. My, my first band name was Vintage. That's right. Leaving nothing vintage. to the imagination about but, the sound. But it was Vintage with an <laughs> E, guess. not an I. Because yes. it was emo. You yeah. know, we were in high school. So, it was <laughs> and so when was the bug of... So I didn't even realize I could sing. Okay. I, dude, I didn't sing until I was probably 17. And then it like all happened really fast. Um, I was like, holy cow. I, there was like a whole nother like range in my voice that I had never, I was just too insecure. And like, I didn't grow up around music. I didn't really, I was just kind of the guitar player in the back, you know? Um, and, uh, the, I guess the bug bit. And I was like, I got to get out of Atlanta. I want to, I want to do music. I'm way more uh, passionate about this than I am anything else in my life. So I knew I had to get out of Nashville. And then it was in Nashville when I moved there when I was 18 that all of a sudden being around musicians now, everything began to change. Okay. Writing songs and playing shows. And I, that was like where I, I just head first and then never looked back. It was college? Like college. Mm -hmm. yeah. Did you go to, where'd you go? Belmont. University. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that's where you guys met? That is yep. where we met. That is, we were randomly paired as roommates. Randomly paired as roommates. Freshman year, day one, registration. It was, it was a bit of a, uh, yeah, it was. it's kind of crazy looking back on it. Did you get along immediately or did it take some time? No, we got along pretty much right off the bat. Yeah. Did I you mean, have this type of conversation like, on the count of three, name your favorite record. One, two, three. <laughs> yeah. We probably did. Did we become best friends? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, man, you know what's funny is I remember back in the day we used to, like, be doing stuff or we'd be, you know, we'd go to Bedline and our our, our, <clears throat> our bunk beds, you know, be like, just think, dude, one day we're going to be doing this on a tour bus, you know. And fast forward 13 years, you know, we're we're still doing this and, and making music and making records. And I apologize if I uh, got overexcited about the music part of things. There is a there is a faith element 
uh, in both of your lives. <laughs> yes. So I is. suppose we ought to touch on that a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, uh, and as simply as I can ask, and I've talked to you for a bit now, let sure. me switch gears. Yeah. Uh, tell me how you met Jesus. I grew up, so grew up in a Christian home. Uh, Jesus was always around me, grew up, you know, going to church very often, very much immersed in Christian culture. Uh, but for me, there was, I was a, I was a pretty good kid okay. for the most part, just like my natural disposition was I didn't want to upset people. So I, I was, I obeyed. I didn't really do anything crazy or outlandish. Um, kind of just played by the rules. But, uh, for me, it was when I was, when I was a teenager, um, there was a, there was this, that moment, like, I, like I said, I, I always knew Jesus. I knew about Jesus. But there was a moment for me as a teenager where it was just there was a an, an obvious need for for some sort of hope in my life that's beyond me just performing well and me being a rule follower and all these different things. There was there was I I, I just felt this sort of like I I, I need more than that, you know. Um, and uh, it, yeah, it wasn't like a crazy, bizarre, like you know, sort of trans. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, conversion. yeah, conversion experience. But it, but it was definitely sort of like that deep heart resonating. Like, wow, some, there's more to this whole thing mm-hmm. than what I'm actually getting. Um, so it, you know, uh, I'd say it was, it was about when I was 16 was when I really I feel like I would say I really felt found Jesus, and it was it was a really personal experience for me. Your uh, turn. Go, Jay. Who, me? Um, similar story. I, I In that, I grew up, in, you know, like I said, my dad was uh, started a ministry a long time ago, so I grew up in a pretty uh, Christ-centered home. Mm-hmm. Um, it was young adulthood. It was probably, you know, around the same age, 13, 14 probably for me. That, uh, you know, I put two and two together. You, you grow up hearing about stuff a lot. You know, you learn the gospel, you get baptized, you know, you, you read the Bible verses and you kind of, you know, all the things that you're supposed to say. And then at some point in your life, you, you have this crossroads where you're like, well, how is this actually going to manifest itself in my life? Um, and then, uh, yeah, so I was, it was probably young adulthood for me that I, I kind of, I moved it from the head down to the heart in, in, okay. a, in a way that was way um, uh, in a meaningful way for me. When yeah. you guys were in college together, mm. did you ever have a talk or a discussion about, hey, where are you at with your faith? Does that play a role in what you're doing today? Or did you just, mm-hmm. I could tell by the way you're living, you're a believer, I'm a believer, hey, yeah. we're yeah. believers. No, I, the conversation was actually a, a very large part of our friendship. Um, open conversation about you know faith discussions and what it means to be a Christian, and, and we were also in a pretty good environment for that. Being at Belmont at that time, there were a lot of you know other believers that were eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old trying trying to figure life out. You know, so there was a yeah. lot of that sort of uh, conversation, and I would say that even just where I am in my faith today was largely affected by our relationship, our friendship and our group of friends and sort of the discussions that we had for four years in college. And then being in a a band with, you know, two other, our first band that we were in, we had, we were all believers and best friends and van conversations were very much about spiritual things. Name of the band? That band was called The Kicks. Okay. Yeah. K-I-X? No. No, that was taken. K-I-C-K-S. K-I-X was taken. 
you know this. Oh, kicks! Yeah, that was a that was a, a metal band. band. Yeah, yeah, you know. I was gonna say, come on, skins. <laughs> so you were C I no, K I I C K S. Yeah, oh, just, just like, like yeah, just like the kicks. kicks. Yeah. Can I tell you a kick story real quick? Please. Uh, I have a friend who works here, and he has six children. And every now and then, he and his wife would like to have some cocoa puffs, but they didn't want to share with the kids. So the kids would come down, and they're like, can we have some of them cocoa puffs? They're like, no, they're for adults only. These are actually burnt kicks. And they've <laughs> sent genius. them to us it's genius. to see if you can still eat them, but you have to be an adult to eat burnt kicks. That's, That's genius. And the kids are like, oh, I don't want this. It makes total sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. I'm not going to eat I'll burnt stick kicks. to the kicks. Yeah. You yes. had me at burnt. Yeah. So there's a burnt kick. That's just, hilarious. I just learned that. I thought, that's the greatest parenting oh, thing ever. Hashtag burnt kicks. <laughs> that might be a name of a band. Let me write that down. Burnt, burnt kicks. Well, kicks, K-I-X, the metal band will see you. So. Yeah, careful. So you guys get together. You form a band. Yeah. Hey, let's do something together. What was what was that like at first? Well, it looked like a big, giant mess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely. It was, yeah, it, it was, was a mess. Now we, uh, we started playing shows. We were, he was a songwriter. I was a songwriter. We were doing the singer songwriter thing. And then we both kind of realized this singer songwriter thing's totally boring. And we just weren't into it. But no offense to singer songwriters no, yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah, it's great. There's other people who are really gifted at it and it's not boring for them. But when we did it, it was just like, <laughs> what were the songs about? They were just about nothing. That's the they problem. Were about nothing <laughs> at the time. When you're, when you're 18, you've got, Hardly any life experience under your belt, you know? You, well, like, let me I, ask you this. In that touring and playing out, which song did the audience resonate with most? Well, well Do you now, remember that song? In the later years, like, yes. so when we became a band down the road, it was different. You know, okay. the, for the kicks, it was much different. Um, there, was, there was like a good two years of us being roommates and like jamming together as roommates do, <laughs> like jamming. And then eventually we slowly started trying to write music together and be creative. There's like two years of that before we were like, hey, let's actually like try to be in a band. Oh, wait a minute. You're both guitar players too at this yeah. point. We are. Right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So it was a lot of uh, guitar based. A lot of shredding going on. Music. Okay. Which our wow. first, so the band, the kicks was a just throwback like Beatles meets Aerosmith guitars rock we and roll loved band. uh ELO electric light orchestra yes. uh, and Jeff Lynn, the Beatles. all that stuff like, we loved a band called Jellyfish yes um yeah. that was like our I don't want to move past ELO I'm so excited <laughs> about that. yeah come you on man. we're that. huge Jeff Lynn fans yeah so we can talk about that all night but um so any, we once we got in that band it was kind of, that was when it was like all of a sudden there's four of us living in a house we were just we bought a van from my uncle and it was like we we're going to take on the world. And then after that, that you know, fast forward seven years, we were doing that for a long time. Was this post the Kicks? Was no, this another band? This, no, this, this band is the Kicks the I'm kicks. talking about. Yeah. Yeah. When was the Kicks kicked to the curb? We See what I did there? did three. I did. I said, <clears throat> thanks. Um, 2014? Yeah, probably. We had played a bunch of shows. Uh, you know, we did three albums and came off the road. And it was uh, a particularly just like, you know, we all go through these dark seasons, man, where mm -hmm. we just we were we were down. We were just grinding. And anyway, um, I think we came back and it was like, well, it's time to go start writing for another record. And uh, we quickly realized that we couldn't. do Adam it. and I were like, man, I don't know if I have another record in me in this capacity. Um, and so Adam and I kind of 
talked about it and prayed about it for a while. And honestly, we were pretty open about it with the other guys in the band. And then at some point, we kind of sat everybody down and said, hey, look. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. We're going to go do something else. And we don't really know what that is. You're, we were yeah, done. Yeah. We're done, but yeah. yet we still want Had, to do... We didn't know what we were going to do, though. Honestly, no, Adam, no. we basically just quit our job and didn't really know what was next. But we knew that we, were, we needed to do something new. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a pretty a unique moment. season of life. Like... It was definitely like this huge spiritual growth moment to say like, okay, we've we've invested seven years almost in this one thing, and it's a lot of season. It's a long season, but uh, but you know you invest all this time in this one thing, and then it comes to a point where it's like, I don't know if I can go on any further with this, Mm. and you really don't know what to do, and you feel kind of blindsided, and but it's so obvious that it's like God's like this is not what I have for you. You know, like it's time to, time to close this up and open yourself to what I could be, you know, have for your life. Mm -hmm. And so that is a really, really difficult thing to just have all that investment and then say like, I think I'm done. That conversation went really, really well with the other guys, by the way. (laughs) Just kidding. Did not go very well. (laughs) I mean, it's tough. Well, because the thing that was the hardest for us there was two two sides. There's the fact that, like, are we going to quit our job? Is this what God's calling us to do, to move on from this band and put this season of life behind us and, and step out and do something new? We don't really quite know what that is yet. Right. And there's also the guilt associated with the fact that, like, we're in this band with our best friends. And we're, like, we're, abandoning them almost. We're, we're, we're moving on. We're done. And, and they're quitting their job now. Mm-hmm. Because we kind of chose. That's, that's, a, that's like a really, yeah. that's a, that was a really hard season of life. Um, and, and I, I think that it was only by God's grace and mercy that we were able to come out of that season of life still in relationship, close relationship with those guys. And actually, to this day, we're still yeah. wonderful friends. Yeah. And it was only because I think Adam and I were willing to express this very thing you know it wasn't like oh we're moving on like how you know yeah. it is what it is man it was great knowing you but we're just gonna yeah. it was like it was pretty tumultuous and it was hard for us and it, and we and i experienced a lot of guilt as a result sure. of that um but and we, we were, weren't necessarily unified and leaving together which is what like yeah. i had been just going through my own struggles of like what we were doing and like trying to get creative energy up to do another record. And I was like, I, and I told my wife, I was like, I don't, I just don't know if I can do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, he's over at his house doing the same thing. Laying on the living room floor, you know, just going to my wife. I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, and she's just, she's hilarious. You know, our wives are, <laughs> are, are awesome. 
Because I remember my wife looking at me like, well, you're not going to quit music. You're not going to stop. I know you and you're not going to stop. So just, yeah. just go to work and see what God's doing. Like, come on, you know, just so like matter of fact, it's funny yeah. how marriage works. You know, it's like when one's freaking out, the other one's like oddly rational. They're like, okay, well, you just need to put a shirt on. The world is not deodorant on, <laughs> And you need to go outside and maybe cut the grass <laughs> and then uh, maybe God will, you know. And sure enough, we, over time, we, we began this. So we both left that band, um, okay. had no clue what was next. No idea. Uh, I randomly got a text message from a friend. It was like, hey, I heard you're out of your band. Do you want to come play guitar for a country artist? And so I toured with a country artist. Uh, his name's David Nail. I toured with David Nail for a year and a half just playing lead guitar. I mean, we were just, literally just trying to figure it out. Like, yeah. we were, like what, what are we going to do next? Um, but in, in that next year, we, Jordan and I had kind of decided, you know, and we sort of felt this responsibility of like, we feel like we've been blessed with this ability to be creative with music. And it would just seem like a shame to not use it and to just ignore it. So we sort of decided that every, you know, once a week or twice a week, we would just get together and we would write and we would create for the sake of creating. Sure. Some days it was hip hop songs, some days it was a rock song, some days it was just pop music. You know, we would just create and, you know, we had some relationships with some sync licensing companies. We were like, maybe at the very least we'll send them some music and make, you know, see if we can get it placed in some shows or something. I don't know. After doing that for about a year, we ended up with a batch of songs that we had no intention of getting into another band. But we had a batch of songs that we were showing some friends and they were like, dude, what? This is really this is something. Showed it to a buddy who was a who was a management and um he was like, guys, this is, this is really cool. Do you mind if I show my boss? Absolutely. Go ahead and show your boss. So all of a sudden we have management and we're not really even a band yet. We're kind of like, well, I guess, I guess this is a thing. Yeah. And then, uh, from there just kind of just be it really natural. I want to, I honestly say it organically became a band and mm -hmm. we really weren't intending Apollo to be, the next thing, but it, it just kind of is how it all aligned. And another huge element for us was the fact that like when you, when you spend a lot of time in a band, the thing that no one tells you is that it's actually, you kind of feel like you're on your own little Island. Okay. Um, you, if you're at home, you're in the studio or in the rehearsal room, writing, practicing, working on your chops, working on songs, writing a record. Then you go into the studio with your band. You go cut a record with a producer. And then you release a record. Then you just go out and you play shows. You do 150, 180 shows a year, you know, whatever it is. And you're just in a van or a plane or a bus or whatever with these dudes all the time. And, yeah, there's people at the shows at night. But it's, it's, it's actually also feels very isolated because when you come home, and all your friends and all your your community, your close community in Nashville, it's like they move. They're like, life's going on, dude. Like the, everybody's doing their thing. Yeah. And so I think we felt like we wanted community in our life, and we needed that balance. And so we started during that period. Also, around the time uh, we started writing songs for our friends, and we'd be like, Hey, are you making a record? Well, come over to my house and let's write a song. Cool. All right. And, you know, that turned into mm -hmm. making demos. And then that turned into, hey, well, why don't you just, why don't you guys produce our record? And then that's honestly how the songwriting and the producing for us started was 
we were in that same. We're doing it a little bit for ourselves, but we're doing yeah. a lot of it as as a means of like serving our friends. Okay. Uh, because I think that a connection that we've always been trying to make since early on was figuring out how our faith and, and our attitude towards like what we believe to be uh, our our nature, you know, uh, and what God desires from us. Um, this sort of selfless nature that that you know is in Scripture. Um, how does that work when you're a musician? Because the very nature of being an artist can be very self-serving very quickly, and that was a that was a path that we got that we kind of wandered down and realized really early on in our lives that like this isn't fulfilling us. We sold out a club. I remember the first time we ever sold out a club. We played the show. We all got back in the. I mean, it was like a monumental night for us. Like mm-hmm. we had never sold out a, a show before, and it was packed, man. It was a killer show, you know, and and high fives and hugs and 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 afterwards, everybody kind of got in the van, and we were all just kind of quiet. And I think that that was in a small way we began to realize that like just because we're achieving some of these goals isn't necessarily going to mean that we're fulfilled. And what we're doing, if all we're doing night after night is just expecting people to pay money to come watch how good we are mm-hmm. on stage, you kind of, and especially as a believer, you start to go, well, wait a minute. This feels weird. This doesn't, this doesn't like, it just doesn't, it doesn't line up. So that began a journey for us of really trying to put the pieces together and go, all right, as a believer, as a Christ follower, no matter what kind of music we're doing, whether we're in a bar, a club, or a church, or a theater, or wherever, whatever you're doing, how can we be actively uh, t- serving God and serving our, our the, the humans on planet Earth as through our career? Like, how do we do this? Trying to connect dots here. And slowly we began to do that. And for us, that was also a huge part of why we started writing songs for other people. Mm-hmm. You know, that was just the connection, man. Like, relationship we learned early on is super important. When does uh, Apollo LTD get the the name slapped on the the idea, the project, the group? Um, man, it was right about that time when we kind of got hooked up with our manager. Um, we obviously had to call it something. Which, by the way, coming up with a band name horrible. Since you've been in bands, Skins, you know, Mad Hatter, <laughs> Mr. Dog, M I S T A, Mr. Dog. Guy Smiley Show. Guy Smiley Cast. Show. Yeah. I was in a band called Cast. Cast? Cast, like on your arm. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah, one of the worst uh, things to try to accomplish in life is uh, coming up with a yes, band. Yes, Chris name. in the corner. No, Holly Heednosh. Holly Heednosh is. Uh... Ladies and gentlemen, we are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. We will return to our regularly scheduled program momentarily. Please stay tuned. So, Apollo LTD. Yes. Which, of course, I tried to figure out if LTD meant something when I first heard about you. So I'm like, Lord, <laughs> tasks, uh, different, you know. Actually, what, if you're listening to this podcast, just go ahead and text in your best guess yeah, what yeah, LTD yeah. stands for. We're taking open submissions, actually, yes. for mm. defining it. So 
uh, this, my I, my uncle was an astronaut growing up. Okay. So I grew up in a. I didn't fam- think I'd hear that today. Yeah, right? yeah <laughs> I know, right? Um, so I kind of grew up in a family where space was always around. I grew up going to launches and stuff, and wow. that like, I made me obviously like super fascinated with space. I've always loved it. I think it's the coolest thing. There's really not much cooler than you know doing twenty seven thousand miles an hour around planet Earth. When we started the band, I've always kind of, I had kind of told, I was like, man, a cool name would be Apollo, man. That could be a really cool name. And also what the uh, Apollo program meant to NASA and what it meant to the United States. It was like JFK basically just got up on stage and was like, hey, and before the decade is over, we're going to go to the moon. And everybody in NASA was like, oh, we're going to the moon? (laughs) Like, did he he really just just say what we think he said? (laughs) And he just said it. It was like ridiculous. And, um... But it was birthed out of ambition and a desire to do something and to be great. And I don't know, just what that the, – the sentiment behind that was really cool. And then obviously what it means to uh, our our national history. That's a, a highlight, you know, really neat. So I don't know. We we thought that would be a cool name. Told our, our folks, our team, and lawyers as lawyers do, they're like, hey, that's a great name, dude, but that's never going to work. And you're like, why? What, what's, you know, he's like, I can't protect that. Apollo? I mean, there's a million things. One with P, it. three L's. Yeah, they're like, well, you, he said, he goes, just, I don't care what you have to do. Put a word in front of it. Put a word after. Three letters in front, three letters behind it. I don't care. And so literally like that day, I think we went home and we were like, he said, put three letters in front or behind it. So L, we just like tossed around some letters. Couldn't do LED because that's a television. We thought, eh, LTD kind of looks like limited, but we don't sure. care. Let's do LTD. So that's so it. So to answer your question, it doesn't really mean it. The does LTD really portion mean? is just pragmatism. From South Bend, Indiana, it's the Sports Yak Podcast. This is Jimmy Shorts, the number one most downloaded sports podcast on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. And that's good. Dave Grohl bought us fried chicken in Austin, Texas. All right. So I'll, do you want me to tell the story? I guess I brought, I'll, t- I'll tell it abbreviated, yeah. but you fill in if there's any details. Okay. All right. For those, if they don't know who Dave Grohl is. he's the And lead- if they don't listen to this, shame on you. He's the lead singer of the Foo Fighters. He was also the drummer for Nirvana. Yes. Um, he's a legend. He's awesome. Uh, we were in Austin, Texas at a festival called South by Southwest where our band was playing. Uh, that night, they were like, uh, the Foo Fighters, Dave did this big documentary about Sound City. Yes. And um, the big premiere was there. We thought, well, maybe if we go, we can sneak in or something and, 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 and I don't know, just watch it. Long story short, we sneak in to the theater, watch it. We're up in the balcony just trying to blend in because you have to have those badges and the badges cost a bunch of money to, to it's stupid. Um, and afterwards, he comes out and does a Q&A. Super interesting. He hangs around after the Q&A up at the front of the stage. We're like, we want to meet him, but there's like 300 other people. They're like, we want to meet him. We're like, we're never going to meet this guy. And right as I say that, there's a, there's a, a camera guy that walks behind this curtain on the side of the theater. He looked like he knew where he, he, knew where he was going. So I just kind of like, I told him, I was like, look, pull out your phone, open it up, look like you know where you're going, and just follow me. And we just walked behind the curtain. And we just walked straight down, and it went straight backstage. And so Adam and I are now standing backstage in this green room with uh, surviving members of Cheap Trick, surviving living members of Nirvana, 
all the cast and crew from this documentary, Sound City. And Rami Jaffe from The Wallflowers. Yeah, Rami Jaffe. Daryl Hannah who's was married dating to Daryl Hannah. Rami Jaffe at that time. Rick Springfield? Rick Springfield was not there. He was not there. He was not yeah. there. The That's... story just got lame. I know. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> go, go on, yeah. I guess. <laughs> so we, I love I that. Just wanna, I, love, I just uh, want to prove that I, I saw the documentary. Yeah, you did, I yes. I love that Rick Springfield was like, oh, well, he's not in it. <laughs> I mean, um, and so we're standing there. We text our buddies, like, get back here right now. Sure enough, they get back there. And uh, we're standing around. We're just kind of hoping, like, we got our phone out. We're kind of going, man, if we can snag Dave we for really a second. We really just wanted a phone. There's literally 15 all. people. It's like there's a little bit more people in the room than are in here right now. And we're just kind of like, <whistles> and pull out our phone. We're thinking Instagram post is going to be awesome. Right then, manager comes in, opens the back door to the theater. There's two vans parked out in the back alley. And everybody, she's like, all right, we got to go. Come on, you know. And everybody starts funneling out the back door. And we're caught in the funnel. And we're kind of in the middle of this group of people. And we're kind of going, I don't know, I think this is probably as far as we're going to get. And our road manager at the time looks at me with the most dead, serious stare I've ever seen anyone look at me and square in the eyes. And he goes, get in the van right now. Go as far as you can go. And we we were like, ha ha, yeah. in the van. So we got in the van. We did. Get and in the van. Well, okay, we did not get it. There's two vans. There's two. The A-list van, which was Dave's van, and then there's the B-list van, which is like the movie producer, like yeah, you know yeah. some other people. We got in B-list van. Yeah, because of course you don't go for broke. You just right. say like we're gonna blend in and meet some people here. Vans so, start moving. Yeah, the the vans start driving out of downtown Austin. And we're all looking at each other, like trying to make small talk, you know, like, yeah, I know. It's crazy. In the right? meantime, the weather? Free, like, I'm like, I'm about to go to jail. Like, we're about what to What are we arrested. doing? Like, where's this van going? Yeah. You can't ask because then that would imply, <laughs> that would imply that you don't, you're not yes. supposed to be there. It's, and at this point, we're like small talking about the weather in LA as if we have any, you know, vested interest in the weather in LA. But these dudes are all from there. Anyway, so we're going and, and eventually we pull up to this little restaurant on the outskirts of Austin. And uh, we get out, and there's this table set up up on the top level of this restaurant. We all go up there. The only problem was is let's just say let's say there was 20 chairs laid out because there was 20 people backstage. Well, now there's this rock band from Nashville that's hanging out with everybody. So now where there was 20 people going to there's five extra. There's 25, and there's not enough seats. And we're kind of like, once again, we're like, oh, yeah, because they're like, well, wait a minute, there's too many people here, but I made this reservation for exactly the right, and we're like, and our bass player, Gabe, he's hilarious. He, he's genuine with a look of concern. He goes to their manager. He goes, he goes yeah, we're going to need to get some more chairs. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what they did? They got more chairs. Oh they they moved us. Actually, they just moved us to another room. And so uh, we go down to this room, and long story short, we had dinner. We had dinner, and with we were all just those talking guys, with all those guys. And then we went back to the Four Seasons. And, and then after and after dinner, we were all hanging out, and Chris Novoselic caught like put his arm around me and like pulled me into. It was the most surreal experience. I I, I was cold. Okay, I didn't have a jacket. And because we did not know we were getting into that, mind night. you, our crappy fifteen passenger van is parked somewhere yeah, in, in, in no Austin. Clue. Like we oh. didn't know we were going to be doing this. This goes back to our smells like Teen Spirit, like freak out moment. 
I'm standing there freezing with no jacket because we were in this like outdoor patio area. And I'm standing next to Chris Novoselic and his, and his wife is with him. And I'm just like shivering. I'm like, man, it's, it's kind of cold out here. You know, he's just like, he looks at me and he goes, I mean, he's just such an odd, he's strange. He dude. looks at me, he goes, we'll be like penguins. Puts his arm around me and pulls me into his chest. So I'm in and his chest. Adam. I'm in his chest and I look over and I make eye contact with Jordan and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> it's all happening, man. It's like, all happening right is, now. From that moment, yeah. we were like, we're in. And yes. from and from get that those vans back dude. over here. Let's go somewhere else so we get back in the vans. <laughs> and we we went they you know because they're all staying of course at like the Four Seasons or something mm-hmm. you know and we're like yeah totally let's go like no we're you know we're staying at a friend's house thirty minutes outside of Austin you know but we're like we ain't going home tonight. So we ended up hanging out there and there, I mean it was like yeah it, it was pretty surreal and so we all kept it together until about four thirty in the morning. That's yeah. We we were like we were just. We're, I mean, you're not gonna. What are you gonna leave? Yeah, <laughs> you no. know, like you're you're hanging out, having conversations with these guys that made some of the most influential records that we've ever. '90s kids, like this is it, you know. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so we all kept it together until we walked out of the front door of that hotel to go find our van because we're now don't even know where we are. And uh, and they never found out. Never. Well. N- I'm sure. So Dave knew everybody there. Yeah. And de- there was like two moments during dinner where Dave kind of looked at our table. He was like, was I like, don't recognize those dudes. Huh, don't recall them being a part of this documentary where you could just tell. Yeah. But we weren't. I mean, we were just having a good conversation and hanging out. Yeah. We weren't, weren't causing a scene. And to Dave's, I mean, D- Dave was just super cool and just like. I think he, he probably thought this is dude. so rock and roll that these just let it happen. Like just enjoy yeah. your yeah. night, you yeah. know. And I think that was he let, it, a... he let it slide, yeah. And 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 then we once we got to know everybody, it was fine, and he didn't say anything. <laughs> but it was hilarious, man. We walked out the front doors of the hotel, and literally, it's like as the door shuts, and we're outside, and we're finally alone. We waited till we got around the corner. Yeah, we, we waited. Till we we got went around, around the, the block corner. corner, and we were like, ah! yes! <laughs> <laughs> like, it, like the world, the world went in slow motion oh, for about man. five seconds, where we all were just like elated, jumping in the <laughs> air, just like a TV ah! show. Dude, it, it was, was incredible. And the next night we thought, oh, well, we, we already hung out with all these dudes and they were doing a huge concert there. It was the Sound City concert where everybody, I mean, Stevie yeah. Nicks, John Fogarty, the whole cat, Rick Springfield, Springfield was Thank there. You. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, we were like, well, we're just going to go sneak in again. It worked last night. Didn't work. We got, no. ki- we got kicked out like three times. Tell me about the song Gold real quick here because yeah. that's what we're playing here right now. Yes. Congratulations. Thank Did you. I tell you I like the song? You mentioned it. Yeah, I word like is around can I hear here that, that you like it. Can I hear that ringtone real quick? Yeah, you just it's like, on because <laughs> I don't want to interrupt. Uh, this. Okay, and okay. I switched it to Hawkeye. Uh, okay. Hawkeye's already. Yeah, okay, so. fair enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell me about gold. Man, gold was uh, gold happened really really quick. Um, we were actually writing with a buddy over Skype. He lives in LA, and uh, his name's Paul, and we were having a writing session with him. We're like, man, we'll schedule four hours. And we worked on one song for three of those four hours. And we were finishing up this tune and when we wrapped it up. We just looked at each other and we were like, man, like we still got an hour slotted. Like if we have some other track ideas, you know, a lot of, a lot of times Jordan and I will just, we'll build some track ideas just for, just to be sparks for song ideas. And in the co-write situation, be like, here's some tracks we got. see if there's one that resonates with you, you know? So with Paul, we were like, yeah, we've, 
we've got these other ideas and we, we played him what was the very, 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 very beginning of gold. Um, it was really just a drum loop and, and a chord progression. And he was like, yeah, that's cool. It's got a really good vibe. And the song s- literally just like spilled itself out in probably 45 minutes. Um, and I know, I know people say that a lot and I always get annoyed when I hear these songwriters stories like, oh, I mean, yeah, we wrote that hit in like 20 minutes. It was not, you know, it just kind of fell right out. And I, I hear myself telling this story and I'm like, I'm literally, I'm that guy right now. <laughs> but honest to God, that's how it happened. So gold was really just, it was song number two in a writing session that, uh, came about and showed it to, yeah, since it ended the label, they loved it. And here we, here we are. Permission to play it? Of course. Please. Thanks. In a nutshell, what happens in 2019? We got a game plan at all? Yeah. Sky's the limit? You know, you want to pull back the curtain a little bit? Sky's the limit. Uh, putting out a record. Okay. We're going to have uh, a couple more singles released uh, in the beginning of the year. And then we're going to release a full album. We're excited about it. And then touring is in the plans. We're touring. Coming to a city near you. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. We're going to do it. Hopefully rocking legends over here in South Bend. Yeah. Come on, we've already played Legends a couple times. And so when you guys tour, what what does that look like? Is it just you two? No, it's, a, no. it's a band. Full it's band? A, yeah, no, we let 21 Pilots own the two-man show thing because yes. they do it better yeah. than anybody. Um, we have a six-piece band. It's, we, it's, wow. it's, a lot of, it's a lot of bodies on stage. It's a lot of noise, but it's but awesome. It's, but yeah. there's, there's – we just love – I mean, we again, we come from band culture. We love having humans playing instruments and the energy of people on stage. So. Yeah. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Yes. Uh, they're called Apollo LTD. You can find the song hopefully everywhere where you find songs these days. Gentlemen, thank you. Thank you. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode of what's called What Else. Until next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to What Else with Corey Mann. Hit the subscribe button. Leave a review. Help spread the word and tell a friend. Follow Corey on Twitter at my name is Corey. On Instagram at Mr. Corey Mann. What else with Corey Mann in partnership with the Studio DNA Podcast Network? Find more of your favorite podcasts at Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA.
amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. 